once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 144. As always, a reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. Spread the word about the Soccer OG here in podcast form. Also available on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. We have new videos out all the time. We have a new video out right now discussing the U.S. men's national team and the March games. We will discuss that later here in stoppage time. Two victories in the nation leagues. What does it mean moving forward as they've booked their spot in Las Vegas for the nation league semifinals, which they got into 2021 and won the whole thing? Who stood out? Who struggled? What comes next? What happens with Falar and Balogun? What happens with the sporting director and the head coach? So many questions. We hope to answer them here for you. Coming up in the business end, we will shift topics a little bit. I was in Real Salt Lake, Salt Lake City this past weekend, and I got to see firsthand the phenomenon that is St. Louis City, who started Major League Soccer five wins out of five. And after spending a couple hours watching the team, spending a week preparing for the game, talking to their sporting director, their coach, their players, media members, I am now on board. I want more of this phenomenon. I am thrilled to know that it's there and we get to cover it. So with that in mind, in the business end, we will be speaking to a man you you will enjoy. I mean, I've been doing some research on him and uh, I I said, I got to get him on the show. He is very colorful. He's funny. Uh, He has been viral with some of his calls. And now he is the the voice on radio for St. Louis City SC, the official voice. It's Joey Zanaboni, so we'll have a conversation about the sport in that city and the city in general, and can this club uh, continue to defy expectations? That is coming up in stoppage time. This is the Soccer OG. I'm thrilled that you're on board for another week. Come along for an exciting ride. Let's go. Ho, everyone. Welcome into the show. Looking forward to our conversation with Joey Zanaponi, business end, and uh, to really roll our sleeves up on the U.S. men's national team. 2023 now has taken shape. We have the two Nation League games, real official games. We cap-tied a couple players, including Alejandro Zendejas. So the list that lies in front of the United States, we're checking things off. And then we've all followed with this incredible development that is Flo Balogun. He was in Orlando and hats off to all these U.S. men's national team's Twitter accounts who have done this incredible detective work to piece together this story and show that perhaps, perhaps there is a possibility to bring uh, Balogun into the fold, into the stable. I don't think perhaps it's looking very, very likely. And we will talk about why it's... uh, it seems to be the path that will be taken here. And if it is, what does it mean for the United States? What does it mean for Anthony Hudson, who is under the watch with cap tying Alejandro Zendejas, Johnny Cardoso, and Flo Balogun? That's a pretty good day. That's a pretty good stretch, if you ask me. Grounds to consider this guy for the uh, the permanent job. But that's what we got to do. We got to get this. We got to get these things under wraps, you know. Um, a lot of loose ends for the United States, and we're lacking direction right now. We have these Nation League semifinals in June. We have 
this USA-Mexico game in April, which is going to be MLS players. We have the Copa, the, the Gold Cup, and then 2024, I mean, we're rolling at that point. And we're on our way. You know, in 2024, we'll be going, oh, my goodness, we're two years away from the World Cup. We really are. I mean, we just had the World Cup. And as it stands, we're just over three years away from 2026. It's going to be here before you know it. Lickety split. So make your preparations. So uh, we have plenty of time still to talk about that. And I was, you know, on MLS duty. And we want to share what I was able to do. I went to uh, Salt Lake, Rail Salt Lake, St. Louis City. I went a day early, went up to Park City, which I've never been to, to go skiing. Blizzard-like conditions. They closed all the lifts, so I couldn't get a full day. So I'm going to have to go back again. But the time I spent there was pretty amazing. A friend of mine from Miami, by chance, was on a text thread. And he... uh, Send a photo with all the snow. He goes, hey, I'm in Park City. You got to see the snow. I mean, it's feet and feet of snow. So, uh, I mean, it's been a cold winter everywhere. But certainly in some places, um, it's it's a little worse. So I, uh, he sent a photo. I go, oh, my God, are you in Park City? So I got to see him too. So it was a, it was a very good day. And I, I remind him we got to live every day to the fullest. We can't live it every day. You know, some days we sleep in. Some days we get a little lazy. But if we can have one of those days once a week, we're doing well. So I had that day. I hope you have those days as well. Uh, St. Louis City then on the field came out and just thumped Real Salt Lake. Four goals in the second half. Five wins out of five. As I've been saying for Major League Soccer, you need um, for not just the diehard audience, but the new audience. And I don't know how that is being developed. I'm sure it's coming along very slowly. I'm being realistic about this. But as long as it's moving in the right direction. But if we have all these games on MLS Season Pass and you are watching it and you don't really have a favorite club or you just want to watch it the same way you watch, say, MLS Reds, uh, NFL Red Zone, where you want to see what the important stories are. Well, you need those. You need things to grab your attention. So we're getting the hook in a few people. We have... Tiago Almada of Atlanta, that's a must-watch when he plays. He wasn't there this weekend. Atlanta got throttled by Columbus. Uh, but he was with Argentina, and he scored a goal. And, you know, I've been telling people who have kind of undersold this Tiago Almada phenomenon. I go, you know, he is the biggest He is the biggest um, signing, you know, $16 million signing. When he was coming out of Argentina, he was in demand for some of the biggest clubs in the world. But Atlanta United swooped in and got him. And now you see him, he goes to the World Cup. Now he's scoring goals in these important games. Then you have to ask yourself, uh, how far along in the uh, in the pecking order can he get for Argentina? And I'm telling you now, he can get there pretty high. So the, the, the new group of young players in Argentina are Enzo Fernandez, Julian Alvarez, and Alexis McAllister. And there you have Thiago Almada. And Lionel Messi will step aside soon. Yeah, at some point in the next two, three years. I think, no, he will not go any further in 2026. Uh, I find it hard to believe that he'll be part of 2026, but it's a Lionel Messi. And if we've seen these videos, uh, this footage in Argentina, you can see that uh, he uh, is loved at such a level that he can probably call the shots. That's going to be a tough one for Lionel Scaloni. I'm going to tell this in Argentina, too. It's time to, time to wrap up the party, folks. Let's get back to uh, real life from real work. All right. 
congratulations. You can hang on to that World Cup forever, but it's time to get back to it. <laughs> Can't party all the time. Can't party forever. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's these images of Lionel Messi trying to have uh, a quiet dinner. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. He, he knew what he was getting into in Argentina for that game uh, against Panama. And no can do. So, uh, but when getting back to Almada... And I'm getting a little sidetracked here, which I tend to do. Uh, he could be the heir apparent for Lionel Messi at that number 10. I mean, who else? It could be McAllister, who's not really the pure number 10. Ezequiel Palacios. It's not going to be Paulo Dybala. Paulo Dybala is kind of on the wrong side of his national team career. So, I mean, this is talking about 2026. Can you imagine that? Tiago Almada starting for Argentina wearing a 10 on his back? It's possible. I'm telling you, this is a guy you got to pay attention to. He was a big deal when he was at Vela Sarsfield. He's a big deal when he's at Atlanta. Now in a bigger deal, he's developing clout. He's developing equity. So there's the first one. You tune in to MLSC's and pass to watch Tiago Almada. You tune in to see LAFC. LAFC and this incredible story with Denis Buanga, who played for Gabon on a Thursday, flew back, got to Los Angeles uh, around... 5.30 and was at the game at 7.30 to play and score the game-winning goal. So LAFC is on that list. And now we can put St. Louis City on there too. And there will be other players and clubs and storylines that uh, you can tune in and want to be curious. And that's good for the league. But it's a slow burn. We know it's a slow burn. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. I mean, there's no leagues going on. We had some international duties, Euro qualifiers, you know, uh, few things stood out, you know, Italy, um, it's going to be tough. I mean, and remember with this World Cup expansion, Europe gets a little help, but not like the other regions. Uh, they have, you know, a couple new bids. So that doesn't mean it's a slam dunk for teams that didn't qualify for the World Cup to qualify this time around. It's going to be difficult. And the Euros are going to be fantastic in 2024. That's something else to look forward to. We're spoiled, aren't we? We're spoiled. So we'll have a lot to get to. We're going to get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast coming up in the business end. Joey Zanaboni of St. Louis City to talk about the city, to talk about the club. And coming up in stoppage time, don't leave. We'll have a detailed uh, discussion on the U.S. men's national team and what they were able to accomplish. Who might not be in the mix moving forward. Who has pushed themselves into the mix, etc., etc. Let's go. back here in the business and as I pointed out earlier uh, I got to see St. Louis City firsthand and I am now smitten with the club I want to know more I was a blank slate I'm not pretending I knew more about St. Louis than I did so I want to know more and to help me with that I am bringing in the voice of St. Louis City SC Joey Zanaboni who uh, many of you will know from uh, his, his as a baseball announcer with these viral calls because I did a search on you Joey and I couldn't believe it. It was pages. I mean, I know you're a young man, <laughs> but you already have an incredible history. You should pat yourself on the back for that. Oh, well, thank you very much. Good to know that a Google search is uh, turning up something positive on me for a change here, Max. I, I really <laughs> Tell do me about it. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> Google it's been search. a while <laughs> since I've uh, tied myself into Google. So thank you for uh, for helping me to know it's positive. It is. Uh, it's uh, 
it's it's people uh appreciate you and i was telling you off the air um yeah as you know young broadcasters i was a young broadcaster once and you've got to be true to yourself this this industry tries to paint you in a corner and i think many ways we imitate those that came before us i was guilty of that mm -hmm. but it's so important to be uh, to self-express and to um entertain i mean this is a I look, I would say in, in Major League Soccer, too, and I, you did it, and you had, there was a call that I heard uh, on the Roman Berkey save, sure. and uh, <laughs> it was a very memorable comment you made afterwards, and I think in particular in Major League Soccer, which isn't the Premier League, which isn't the Champions League, we don't have players that everyone recognizes at the drop of a hat. I, I, I take it, and I think you would probably agree, that uh, the announcers have a, a responsibility to hook the audience in with their words and their commentary as an extra layer to the league until it catches up. And it will one day where it's going to be superstars everywhere. But until then, I think we have a, a, a nice role to play there to, to draw on the fans. Have you uh, experienced that? Have you, what's the feedback been like for you? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I think that's part of the reason I'm with city is because I think that, you know, there's this understanding that the announcer has such a special connection with the fans and because of where uh, maybe the announcing style is at, not just in Major League Soccer, but in Major League Baseball uh, or other sports as well. I, I always go back to a book by Red Barber, the old Dodgers announcer, where he basically discussed his first experience as sports announcing. And he was growing up in Orlando in the 1920s, and he talked about going out on a street corner and there was a guy with an old wooden megaphone who would basically get ticker tape from a boxing match and then say like such and such one round one and such and such one round two and so on. And I, I think that, you know, that style, I mean, it was at a time where information was so scant, it was so scarce. And uh, that was the original pur purpose of uh, radio. And the original purpose, I think of sports broadcasting was, was pure information sharing. And I think that now, uh, and, and I love your work. I think you do such a good job with this. I think now, I mean, we live in this time where it is, it's too much information. We're overwhelmed <laughs> by data. We're overwhelmed by analytics. We're overwhelmed by, and they have their place. We love them. You know, Lord knows I use them to help understand the game and things like that, but try to infuse it with just more expressionism. I think even more than just uh personality, just reacting in the moment to what's happening whether it's in your character or a little bit outside of it i think is really the the clarion call for uh for sportscasters at this time and yeah i mean uh i i'll level with you here max i don't i don't pay that much attention to uh to what's said online or social media stuff like that um but i think the reaction's been positive i have uh, I have a mother, you know, like all of us, and she will send me stuff uh, from, <laughs> you know, that people are saying. And uh, yeah, Mom, I'm I trying think, to avoid that. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes I'll have to say, eh, you know, I don't know about this one. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I think it's been positive and uh, it's just been fun. I mean, I could not think of a, a more fun way to start uh, a foray into the MLS. Well, you hit the, the keyword fun. And by the way, I'm not against going back i agree too much information going back wooden my megaphone and just screaming out these games on the corner sure. of your neighborhood uh and hats off for telegraph you, i can say here max <laughs> the pony seven hundred dollars get your own uh, and hats off to you for reading the red barber's autobiography uh you are a a a, a true broadcaster impresario there you go was it an autobiography or am i jumping the gun so 
It was. It was just called, I think, the Broadcasters. So uh-huh. I mean, it was. I mean, it was classic though. You know, Red Barber start in the twenties in Orlando and uh, end up in the mid sixties, I think. Yeah, I just imagine Orlando in the twenties must have been something. I mean, because it. It's not like one of our established cities, but hey, and who knew when I'd be talking about Red Barber in Orlando? So thank you for that, Joey. That's a good, sure. that's a good start. But we're, we are here to talk St. Louis. And <laughs> as I pointed out, I want to talk about the city first, because I spoke to Taylor Twelman last week ahead of the broadcast I did against Royal Salt Lake. And I go, I want to know more. I want, I, I know I've, I, I heard about the 1950 World Cup and the St. Louis influence. And I've heard about some of these neighborhoods and how soccer has built, um, uh, through generation and passed on from generation to generation there, uh, including Taylor, whose father uh, is still involved with the sport. I know about the universities and their role in developing players. And then you know about the the great players to come out of St. Louis who played uh, soccer. Uh, you know, I was talking to Taylor about Steve Ralston and was it Brian McBride has St. Louis. There's a long list. I mean, oh yeah. Uh, and then I knew that, but I, I, I didn't really know it until I, I, I really saw the, St. Louis San Jose game at home and just how it felt like this had been here for some time. And I, and I know in the broadcast, I was, I was reluctant to call them an expansion team because by, by the end of it, I, I felt it didn't feel authentic to call them that because it didn't feel like an expansion team, even though they are. But uh, I was, I was worried about saying that because I go, this feels like it's been around here. And there's a lot at play here as to why that, gave me that feeling and it gives probably many others but i told that to taylor and he said that's the that is your approach that's the spin be this guy coming in saying i want to know more i want to experience more and as a soccer fan when you see that you are you gravitate towards it because this is what you always wanted you know you we're always explaining the sport to people and why it's so popular and then immediately see this and it's it's already popular there it's it's in the history they know their sport. So, I mean, I, I don't know if I was talking out of turn there and that is not 100% accurate, but I know there are probably some elements that are true there about why this, the connection between St. Louis and the sport of soccer, it's coming through uh, in these St. Louis city games. Yeah, there's a ton of truth there. And and I don't really think of city as an expansion team either. I, I think of city as an extension team because there this you go. team is- You've coined a ex- phrase. Yeah, it's an extension of the love that this city has for this sport. I mean, you can go back even to just grab this as a little bit of an arbitrary starting point, but the 1950 World Cup, when I think about a half dozen of those players took down uh, England, they about a half dozen of them were from uh, St. Louis, and those were actually my grandfather's neighbors. Uh, my grandfather lived in the Italian-American section of St. Louis, for 83 years and coached and supported youth soccer in the area for, for all 83 years of his life. And actually uh, just down the street from him, Charlie Colombo was one of his neighbors and he was the big center back for St. Louis city or pardon for, uh, for the U S national team uh, who lived in St. Louis city, lived on the Hill uh, was very famous for wearing boxing gloves during the game and was like, uh, you know, an all time great, middle back he played club in the st louis area as those guys from that that world cup team you know did in st louis and there were so many national titles in the 50s and the 60s and then you get into the 70s and you get into uh you know the great college teams at st louis u and you get into the great college teams at 
Southern Illinois University Edwardsville, which is just about 20, 25 miles from St. Louis, uh, on into the 90s, and you you start to see Taylor Twellman, and you see these other guys, Brian McBride, who played at St. Louis U, uh, Taylor Twellman, who actually went to St. Louis University High School. He was class of 98. I was class of 09, so I got to shout that out. I actually went to school. <laughs> His cousin, Jack, was uh, eventually went on to play at SIUE, was a good, uh, solid player as well. Um, and then you get into that era of almost getting an MLS team. And I mean, the first season for MLS, 1996, I, I remember about 2010, there was so much talk and thinking that we would get one. There was a plan to put it on the Illinois side. So probably closer to maybe Edwardsville or Collinsville. And it just kind of fell apart. Um, just didn't end up coming together. But the interest was there. It was just about coming up with a, a coherent plan and a cogent plan. And the way that it worked out, it's like it's worth the wait. It worked out as well as it could because instead of putting a stadium 30 miles outside of St. Louis and saying, all right, let's all pile in the car and take a 45-minute drive out there, uh, it's let's go right to the heart of downtown St. Louis. Let's go right next to one of the all-time great St. Louis institutions, which is St. Louis Union Station. The stadium is literally right next to it. It's unbelievable. Just everything's been done first class down there. And I think it really starts with the location. St. Louis City wants to revitalize downtown St. Louis, wants to bring people together in downtown St. Louis. And and the spirit of people in the city already, I mean, I can't believe it that we're already five games deep, but I'm also, I can't believe it that it's only five games deep because it feels like, you know, it feels like we've been playing in some ways for five months because of the emotion that's been put into it by the by the city, by, by the people. We had 60, 70,000 people around the stadium uh, before the first game against Charlotte, 22,500 people in the stadium who did not sit down the entire time. And then when I walked out of the booth with Dale after the game and we kind of went out on the streets, I was like, I don't think anybody out here is sat down either. I mean, it just was one <laughs> continuous party. I mean, it was insane. Uh, but that's why I think of it as an extension team. The love is already there and the appreciation for the game is already there. And now MLS is, is that base for it. It's that lodestar for all this great love, all this support that youth soccer and high school soccer and college soccer and professional soccer going back to St. Louis AC and St. Louis FC and some of the, the minor league type stuff that's been done here, all of that's coalesced and come together with cities. That's, that's why I call them the extension team. <laughs> and so be it. Let's mark it right there. By the way, did you, yeah. did you, did you sit down during the broadcast? You had to feel the way you go. I want to take a seat, but everyone's standing up. I got to stay standing. Yeah, I don't think I've sat down for a broadcast. I try not to in the first broadcast of any season. I think it took me last baseball season probably about 14 games to sit down. So I I, I really always at the start of every season, I kind of see how long I can stand. I don't anticipate sitting at all this year with City, uh, partially because the game is so uh, fast and it is. so exciting. Um, but they've just given me so much to cheer for, and I, I really do expect that to continue. And that is part of it, and we'll talk about the club because the, the their style of play is fast, exciting, and it's a uh, it's really fun to watch. And it's been messing with their opponents. I don't think anyone's been quite ready for what has come out to shoot for St. Louis. And uh, you you touched on a couple things about that were interesting. I will I'll 
I'll see if I can go in order. And, you know, playing Real Salt Lake, Real Salt Lake is a, an amazing success story in Major League Soccer. They got an expansion team in 2005. Mm-hmm. And St. Louis, based on this history, for them to get it 17 years later, um, it seems like it would have almost been in reverse. But that's the way it is. And 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 to you, as you pointed out, it, it came at the right time because I would agree with you if they had a stadium on the outside. It's so important to have um, one uh, within close proximity of the people and uh, to and be able to revitalize uh, downtown St. Louis. Uh, that that uh, that is probably going to go a long way. I don't know what the foot traffic is in St. Louis or what the downtown scene is. I remember being there a few years ago, and obviously it feels like uh, more of a suburban sprawl. But we gotta we gotta look out for our, our downtown areas, and uh, certainly that's something that I think St. Louis will benefit from by having that. So the timing was right, and timing also right for. St. Louis, because when I spoke to Bradley Carnell, the coach, he said they brought him in a year in advance. And he uh, was mentioning how important that was to kind of get your bearings. Lutz Spanish Steel, same sort of situation. Uh, the goalkeeper, Roman Berkey, uh, Joao Klaus, coming in early, actually playing with City 2, right? Uh so that they yeah they played a they played a little bit there with City to just uh, some select games well that's know. but that's I, I can't even imagine that you know we Berkey is a very highly regarded goalkeeper and Bradley Carnell was saying I think he had an offer to maybe go be the backup at Bayern which is it's a backup but you're the biggest one of the two three biggest clubs on right. the planet yeah and he decided I'm going to come early I'm going to play City two and then you can see to me the benefit of that and that plays into the part of how it doesn't it feels like uh it doesn't feel like an expansion club what was the term i already it's and what was the extension club. the extension club how can i forget that Sorry. but the extension I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring that up come contract time here max i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm gonna say hey by the way i was the guy that said extension club uh on that uh but you i know, will back you up i'll back you up but, I, but to that right. point that's where it feels that's part of it and i i applaud st louis city because it feels like they they had a plan and they did it right and they're executing it. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting. I was reading a quote from Joao Klaus uh, just maybe a few weeks ago, and he talked about bouncing around the professional game and he talked about being in some different leagues and, and really going around the world. He's somebody who's a, a very cosmopolitan guy. And he said, you know, I'm looking for a home right now. I'm looking for a place that I can really call home and where I can really feel comfortable and spend a, a long time. And I think St. Louis is a perfect place for that. St. Louis is a great place to make your home. I can say that as someone who was born within the city limits of St. Louis has traveled around a little bit, has bounced around, uh, uh, but knows that St. Louis is just a tremendous, tremendous place to find that home. And we're just so happy to have, you know, him and Berkey and Edward Leuven and these other guys who all seem to have that same mentality. I think there was another quote I read from Berkey recently where he basically said, um, you know, uh, I went back and visited family in Europe. And then I came back and said, uh, you know, after maybe a month or so there, I said, okay, it's time to go home. It's time to go back to St. Louis. So I think they found that home here. And, and I think that's a big part of why this team's been so successful. Uh, I, was, I was speaking to uh, Courtney, your, the PR for St. Louis City, and she was saying so many of these players for the other sports, the Cardinals, St. Louis Blues, had that same moment. And a lot of them keep homes here. And, you know, it's like we always 
be like all these athletes from the exterior. And we've seen it at MLS. They go, when I come here, I'm going to LA. I'm going to Miami. I'm going to New York. And you always worry, about this is, if they're going to bring in these big stars like they did with David Beckham or Zlatan or, or, or Carlos Vela, uh, Lionel Messi possibly, it, it ends up with one of these clubs. But I, it's important because that's not the value shared by everyone. And there are so many great cities here that immerse the sport and the community. And clearly, like, if you guys have something built in with uh, just mentioning that story about Joao Klaus, that he would probably speak on behalf because I've made a really good life. I would think about Diego Valeri because they don't think about Portland. He went there and had a great experience. And he swears by that city and those people. Uh, that city, I think he's in Miami now, but he was in Portland and he sure. he's home there. <laughs> but I mean, you know, there's places that you want to, um, well, calling somewhere on... home is important. And that, yeah. and, and having a community and a neighborhood is important. And I think that supersedes being able to play golf in the winter or what what have you. Yeah, and, and I've gone on record as saying, you know, with these guys, with uh, Berkey and with Klaus and with Luvin and stuff, you know, if they're ever if they're ever packing up, I'll be the first one to lay down in front of the U-Haul truck. You know, I'll be the first one to go and volunteer because we want them here for sure. And I mean, to your point, I, I remember, you know, as a kid, you know, to me, Keith Kachuk was was Coyotes. I mean, he was out in the in the American Southwest playing hockey. He ended up playing uh, with St. Louis not exactly toward the end of his career, but about midway through his career. And, uh, you know, he never left. He ended up sending his kids, who are obviously extremely successful NHL players now, uh, to high school here in St. Louis. And, you know, this is his home. He's got businesses here. He's got family here. Uh, I think there's so many athletes that come into this area, and they find it's it's actually a tremendous place to live. It's actually a very diverse community. It's a lot of fun. People love their sports. Uh, we're nice. I would say that's another it's thing. It's important. That's very important. It is. You know, even the even the mean people in St. Louis honestly are nice, uh, certainly by other standards. So it's, I mean, it's just like everybody's kind. And, you know, I, I just think that they just, I think people are a little bit surprised by how nice it is to live here. You know, even the weather, I mean, we we are almost like a southern city in some ways. It's actually a lot milder than people think. We go to Chicago in the winter and see like the lake frozen over and stuff, and we just <laughs> recoil. We're like, "What is going on right now?" We're we're actually a lot better. Yeah, I know. Because you, you get lumped in. You get forgive me. I'm going to be the ignorant yeah. one. You get lumped in with Chicago. You think Midwest, Midwest, but it's really you oh, look yeah. at a map. It's quite different. I thought uh, I thought it was interesting once I was talking to someone from Bismarck, North Dakota, and I was kind of saying, yeah, in St. Louis, it doesn't really get that cold. And she basically said, yeah, we thought St. Louis was like Bismarck. And so I actually took out my phone and looked up what the uh, what the temperature was in Bismarck. It was a negative 55 wind chill. So I said, yeah, that doesn't happen. In That's, St. Not Louis. That's not even close. <laughs> we don't we don't even get to zero, to be honest with you, that much. So, yeah, it's uh it's a little bit different than people think, but I think that's one of the cool things about this club is that it's changing just a general perception, not even a sports perception, but just a general perception about what St. Louis is and also what it can be. And I know it's a, a very parochial city, and we you talked on it a little bit earlier, uh, but what made soccer kind of embedded, and you've talked about the different neighborhoods and uh, Italian community. And I, I'm curious what other communities, I know there was that there's the Catholic school system, which had soccer as uh, a foundation for, um, for young 
boys and girls to to get into the sport and that was the way they did it um if you kind of give us an idea of what uh the neighborhoods look like and where soccer fits in yeah i think the catholic school system is such a such an important part of it so many people who are involved with st louis city you know on the front office side a lot of their initial experiences in soccer were from going out and playing cyc catholic youth soccer here in st louis and just like the fondness around that, the the affection that they have for um, that experience really keeps people involved in the game. Uh, there's so many people in St. Louis from all over the world where soccer is really important, and they brought that love uh, to the game and for the game with them here to St. Louis. You know, when I was a kid, one of the big stars, the high school level at Afton High School and into the pro game playing indoor with the St. Louis steamers and the St. Louis ambush. Uh, even the St. Louis illusion was Elvir Kafetich and Elvir is on the bench as one of the assistant coaches. Um, he's not really that far removed from his playing days, to be honest. He's probably only five, six years out of playing professionally in St. Louis. Uh, originally he's from Bosnia and there's such a strong Bosnian community in St. Louis and uh, so many people who, who support the game and support this team uh, from that community. Uh, there's a very strong Croatian population as well. One of our Hall of Famers at St. Louis U, Robbie Cristo, he plays professionally in the area in the professional indoor game. And yeah, I mean, just so many communities who have voices for the game and have experience in the game. And with City, it's just been like one of the greatest experiences of my life because there's such an emphasis on bringing all of these um, elements together, bringing all of these people together uh, for a common cause. And we've seen it. You know, you talk about the indoor game. That's another vital part of St. Louis soccer history. I mean, in the 80s and the 90s, St. Louis Steamers and St. Louis Ambush winning championships on that side. So it's sort of like it's it's there. You know it can be done. Cities taking all of it and doing it to the max, making sure that it's it's done the right way and putting it all together uh, really because of the love for the city. And I just, just am inspired talking to Lutz and talking to Bradley and talking to some of the players and things. They're really interested and focused on honoring the traditions of the city and playing for the city and also moving the city forward. They see themselves as a vital element in that goal. And I just think that that's, been something I've drawn a lot of inspiration from my own work. That's really interesting. I was going to bring up the indoor game, which is also a very uh, American um, uh, development, and it's allowed so many, so many people to get in connect connect with the sport as fans, and so many to play, and, and it's a springboard for them as well in many ways. And you still uh, you're calling for the ambush, right, as well. Yeah, I was about to say, that's really been my springboard. Uh, yeah. I was doing college soccer, outdoor soccer for about three years and then uh, was back in St. Louis a couple years ago and had a chance to get involved with the St. Louis ambush. And, you know, when I was a kid, those guys were like superheroes. Because those games were on ESPN. I mean, those were I remember, yeah. like the Cleveland Crunch and you would turn on yeah. ESPN. And this is like, for me, I'm older than you. And this would be late 80s. And, I, and there'd be it's prime huge. time. Huge. Yeah, I mean, that was, I think it was the St. Louis Ambush and the uh, Cleveland Crunch for the the championship back in 1995. I think St. Louis beat them and 
It's like insane. I mean, they played at the same arena as the Blues. They played at uh, Keel Center was what it was called at the time. And, uh, I mean, it was like 10,000 a game once it came to the wow. playoffs. So it was, yeah, it was absolutely nuts in, in many regards. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great, great springboard professionally. And it's a great base for creativity. I'll tell you, if you think my outdoor, you know, calls are wild, wait till you turn on the indoor game, you'll be, you know, say, Hey, that's what, you know, that's much crazier than that. So, I mean, it's just like, it's uh in some ways it's an experimental kind of league. Um, people in St. Louis certainly love it. Yeah, and there's other there's you know San Diego, there's other cities. I mean Harrisburg, oh, yeah. you know Harrisburg was <laughs> built on that. Harrisburg, so, PA. I think they uh, play think, at the Pennsylvania Farm Arena up yeah. there. And uh, MASL and then JP Delacamera, who's been on here, who's uh, involved in ship messing. It's sure it's still going, man. And it's they are you know. They have uh, an audience, and that's great for the sport. That's w- wonderful um, that it's surviving and uh, excelling in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will let's talk a little quick about the club. And this has been fantastic, Joey, because it's helping me uh, prepare for my trip. By the way, when I do go to St. Louis, I'm going to obviously, hopefully, call a game and experience City Park, which looks amazing. Uh, what should I do? Where should I eat? What should I do if I have two days in St. Louis? Oh, wow. Uh, well, you know, I mean, listen, I'm partial to the Hill. So, you know, go over to, uh, St. Ambrose little Saturday night mass and then go over to, I mean, my grandfather worked at Ragazzi's for 45 years. So that's like my, you know, place in many ways, uh, Zia's on the Hill would be another huge one. I got a shout out though. If you're just trying to get lunch, cause I know you're busy at night. I mean, you got to go to Joya's. That's like the hot salami sandwich with mustard. That's a big one right there. Um, you know, if you, don't, if you don't mind a little altitude, man, we can get you up to the top of the arch. That would be big. Well, I don't uh, mind the altitude. The uh, The heights is a different story. <laughs> the heights yeah. are a different story. Not so good with that. You're going to have to pop your ears. You do have, you know, the pressure in your ears after that. But, I mean, there's a lot. There's so much here to do that's like, um, you know, just – almost like underexplored. There's some stuff that, you know, you can just get lost in. I, I think that, you know, when I think about St. Louis in many ways, I think about the art museum and forest park. I think about city museum going more toward downtown, which is like, you know, it's a museum, but it's like an adventure museum and, you know, getting to go in and crawl through tunnels and stuff like that. I think about the great new aquarium and union station, I mean, there's so many things that are coming, coming up and, and I only have uh, two days, Joey. I only have two days. I know. Yeah. Well, Hey man, you're, you're creating, that's a two ways. ways, We're helping (laughs) St. We're helping St. Louis tourism because we want, look uh, that park too. I mean, that is, it's amazing. It's pretty special. I mean, they didn't cut any corners with that from what I've seen and to look at it. I mean, it was very well thought of not just the location, but the construction and it looks state of the art for, with all the bells and whistles. The way that they've utilized it, too, has been really cool. You know, we have a, a curator of music for the entire stadium called uh, uh, named Mastermind. And he does a phenomenal job thinking about just like what like what do people want to hear at what point and before the game and after the game and during the game and all this stuff. And he he's a local guy who grew up just, you know, right right around the stadium, really where it is now. So. I mean, involving the community, not just building this place that is, I mean, like everything's first class, everything's state of the art, you know, and all this stuff, but 
but the human element to to get so many people involved in it to utilize it, I think has been really special. So let's talk about the 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 club. Uh five oh and oh. I I I would say they are not going to go undefeated, but I I almost don't want to say that because they are defying it. And it's not just they're winning. I know people say you got that back pass to Joao Klaus, but those passes are happening because that opponent is uncomfortable. And St. Louis makes teams uncomfortable. And there are a lot of wins left in this team. I they'll they'll hit a bad patch, I think. <laughs> uh, but Overall, with that plan, and then you know, who knows what happens with um, new players? They've shown that they have been exceptional at finding talent in places where others are not looking, and they did that with their 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 key players in Leuven, Klaus, and Berkey. They've all delivered in a big way. Uh, how do you how do you think this season goes, or what does the future hold? I I've already gone on record. I think St. Louis probably finishes around fifth and makes the postseason, and maybe. Maybe gets the pain, you know, injuries and all that will happen, but I know they're not the deepest team. But I think I, I feel comfortable saying they're gonna be a, a top five, maybe top six team in the West. Maybe higher. We'll see. How's what say you? You have a much closer look. Yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna be a really successful season. I'm so caught up in the moment right now, and I know the guys are living in the moment right now that I, you know, I don't know that I have uh like a hardcore prediction on where everything ends up on October twenty first, I think is the the end of the regular season which is a long way away. I'm like, man, where am I going to be on October 21st? Can't Everything be making, could be. Can't be making predictions. We're, we're, we're yeah. still diapers it's in the a, season. I mean, it's crazy enough making predictions in baseball where you're just like, all right, it's a six-month season. You know, where are we going to be come September? But uh, yeah, I mean, this is even longer. And, and and just being in the moment and just enjoying it. You know, one thing that I, I'll say that me and Dale, uh, Shilly, my partner on the broadcast, have talked about extensively is uh, the spirit of competitiveness on the team. I'm I mean, there's so many guys that feel like, sorry about this, Max. They're calling me down to, to the gym. I got to go and, okay. and chaperone some recess, but I am going to give you, I'm going to give you the answer. Well, we I'm got so through sorry. it. This is my last question. It's fantastic. All right. Let me give you the whole thing. Then I'm going to run down. Um, I'll just kind of, kind of restart here, but yeah, I mean, I'm so caught in the moment and I'm so, you know, uh, engaged with what, this team is doing that I, I don't really have like a hardcore prediction. That being said, uh, something me and Dale Shilly have talked about extensively is that there's such a competitiveness to this team. I mean, there's so many guys that are working, uh, I mean, almost to outdo each other. I mean, certainly these are professional athletes, right? They're all competing for spots but they also work together really well. There's like this unbelievable team cohesion. And then there's also this incredible competitiveness on the team that Bradley and Lutz have fostered. And so I, I just think that what they're able to do um, as far as uh, getting the best out of each other is really inspiring. And I've just said, you know, really time and again, that the wins are just a byproduct. I mean, it's just like those are almost I think it was Leonard Cohen who said poetry is the ash of life. If it's burning well, then it'll just be produced. It'll just fall off. And I feel the same way about this great start with these wins. It's really impressive to say, OK, you know, five out of five so far. And, you know, it's just human nature to say, all right, you know, is it going to be six? Is it going to be seven? Is it going to be eight? Is it going to be on that be beyond that? But 
you know, really, I, I just think that um, the spirit of the team and the way that they work together and the way that they compete with each other, but also compete for each other. I think that's going to sustain this team uh, beyond, I, I think, the you know common perception in the national media, right? There's kind of, a, oh, you know, the thumbtack yeah. is going to get on the balloon eventually, right? But this is the town to do it in. I mean, this is the town of the 99 Rams and the 2011 St. Louis Cardinals and the, the 2019 St. Louis Blues. All of these, you know, individuals and teams and, you know, even organizations, right, that have been counted out and say, oh, well, you know, this isn't going to work for this reason or that reason. It's a, it's a backup quarterback, right? I've never heard of Kurt Warner. Uh, it's 2011 Cardinals, you know, they won 85, 86 games in the regular season then caught fire. The blues were in last place before they won the Stanley cup, not, you know, guaranteeing anything or anything like that, but I'm just saying this is the right town to do it in. And I think the guys have the right spirit to really do something special. I, you're not, I'm not going to doubt that for one moment. And Joey Zanaboni, I'm so glad we had this conversation. He's joining us from school. He's teaching kids as well. This is a guy who wears many hats. He's quoting <laughs> Leonard Cohen and Red Barber. I mean, <laughs> what a conversation. Uh, great chatting, Thank man. You, I know you, I appreciate your time very much. And uh, we'll see you out there, hopefully up in St. Louis. And I know we've got the Seattle-St. Louis game in a couple of weeks. Maybe we'll see you there as well. That's going to be a lot of fun. I got to go chaperone a little recess. You're the best, right. Max. Thank you for so for everything, man. I've learned so much for you, from you, and thank you for this. What a quality dude. Joey Zanaboni here in the business end. We're out of the business end, and we'll be back with stoppage time. We'll talk about the U.S. men's national team. We are back. Time now for stoppage time. Hope you enjoyed that with Joey. What a delightful young man. Glad that he is uh, here, part of our storytelling with uh, Major League Soccer. We're going to talk about the U.S. men's national team. They completed their two games in March in the Nations League. We're able to accomplish a lot in the process. Uh, we're fantastic against Grenada. I know it's Grenada, but they scored seven goals while Mexico was struggling with Suriname. And Suriname is better than Grenada, so let's, we'll be perfectly clear with that. But... In the, this era or in this history where the U.S. always struggle in CONCACAF and getting results, taking care of business so quickly and doing it in that kind of style on a tough pitch, they, they were playing beautiful football. Uh, that's something that is not a minor detail. So well done in that. They played the game against El Salvador, and uh, that was a little trickier. Um, we did have... a. I, there was like seven changes, and the game against El Salvador had eight of the 11 players that were on the World Cup roster, so a very strong team. we got to give a lot of credit to El Salvador, and I, I, I look at this El Salvadorian team, and this is not um, a prisoner-of-the-moment prediction. This is based on what they did in World Cup qualifying and how hard they were to play against under Hugo Perez, who I think should be a candidate for the U.S. men's national team coaching job. He is a U.S. international, after all. Um, hopefully sooner than later. And we'll talk about the coaching position here shortly. But uh, that is a, a massive uh, a development for El Salvador. And I'm going to tell you now, before we get into the U.S., six, maybe seven teams from CONCACAF make the 2026 World Cup. USA, Canada, Mexico are already in. So then you figure Honduras, Costa Rica, uh, Jamaica, those are the teams that are in that final grouping um, 
the last time around. Obviously, other countries will start pushing forward as well. Trinidad and Tobago, maybe Haiti. I think El Salvador is making a World Cup. They have a very good team. They're, natu- they're naturalizing players. They're, uh, I shouldn't say they're naturalizing. They're winning over dual nationals. And then they have this trio of brothers, the Hill brothers, whose father, Christian Hill, played in El Salvador. He was from Colombia. Now his three boys are all part of the Salvadoran team. They all played last night. They're all pretty good. So uh, El Salvador is, uh, I think, are going to find a way in there. And that's great because the Salvadoran community uh, deserves it. You know, remember they made the World Cup was in 1982 with the great Magico Gonzalez, the greatest Salvadoran player of all time. And it's been a long time and they've gone really low, but things are much better. They're doing it. And I like good things to happen to people that put the work in and uh, had a plan. And El Salvador has that. So well done. Now to the U.S., uh, they accomplished what they needed to. They they got to the Nations League semifinals. Remember, they won that in 2021 in Denver, and now they'll go back to defend their title. That's going to be in June in Las Vegas. I don't know if I can get out there, but I hope I can. I want to sing a game at Allegiant Stadium, and then you walk over to Mandalay Bay, and then you maybe have a sea tail and play a little blackjack. That's a nice escape. And then you get to watch USA, Mexico along the way too. And by the way, Mexico... What we have seen here in March, USA are firmly the best team in CONCACAF. And Mexico is, uh, and Canada are there. Uh, they're sliding off the bumper right now of the U.S. Losing dual nationals, not performing on the field, not advancing to the round of 16 at the World Cup. Alarm bells ringing all over the place. I mean, Mexico did win the under-17s, right? Um, and that they're very good at that. We have the under-20 World Cup where the U.S., came out on top in CONCACAF. Everything is leaning to the U.S. Even though we are a, 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 an organization now without leadership uh, and we're a bit rudderless, we need to fill the sporting director or, or whatever we want to call it, and we need to fill in the, uh, the coaching position. I think the sporting director will happen soon. And the coaching situation, you know, Anthony Hudson might be under consideration for what he has done in the short time he's been in charge. Uh, I don't think they're going to get Hugo Perez, who's probably going to see out this El Salvador um, effort through 2026. But uh, the United States, uh, they've waited a bit here. There's a lot of candidates that are off the market. You know, all these guys that are specific to national teams. Uh, Roberto Martinez is taken. Hervé Renard, I believe, is with the French women now. Uh, Ricardo Gareca, all these guys have gotten jobs already. So the U.S. are are dealing with a smaller list. And we've heard, you know, Jose Mourinho and Terry Henry. And the U.S., they're not going to spend six, seven million dollars to hire a manager. They're not. They're not. So we've got to be realistic in what they can get. And it seems like people are happy with Anthony Hudson because he's gotten results. And more than anything, under his watch, they have naturalized. Excuse me, I said that again. They have won over Alejandro Zendejas, who is officially a U.S. player, and I think he's going to be a big part of the U.S. effort moving forward. He reminds me a little bit of Alvaro Recoba with that left foot and the way he moves. They they captied Johnny Cardoso, and all signs are that Flo Balogun is on his way too. You get Zendejas and, and Balogun. I mean, those are potentially two starters or at least two featured players. I think Zendayas is a looking like one of the first two guys or three guys to come off the bench. Polisic and Weah would still be the wingers, and I still think we play with one forward, which would be Balogun. Although Ricardo Pepe is, uh, 
clearly um, answering the call on the club stage and now with these three goals. He came into the game against El Salvador and won it with a goal after coming in 12 seconds later. So uh, he's not there saying, just give the job to Balogun. Everyone's happy to have Flo Balogun, but Ricardo Pepe is applying the pressure. And right now it appears like he might be the only one. We'll have to see with Josh Sargent and Haji Wright, who are, I think, three and four in the pecking order of forwards. Then a bit of a drop, I'd say Brandon Vasquez. I want to see him get a better shot. Then I'm going to put Jesus Ferreira at six. Uh, he does something different. I think he has a role on this team, although he's going to have to fight for it. And then Daryl DK and Jordan Pifok. Jordan Pifok's kind of faded off. It doesn't play a lot for Union Berlin. And the problem with Pifok and now with Daryl DK, it's not that they are not good forwards. They are good forwards. They're just not a good fit with the U.S. And I've seen enough of Daryl DK to say that now. The last two, three, three times he's played with the national team, he just didn't fit right. He works hard. He, I mean, he was let down a little bit by his teammates. I think uh, there was a moment where Gio Reyna hit the post. He could have crossed that ball into DK, and he could have taken a very good high percentage shot on goal. But it didn't happen, and that's part of not fitting in. So Daryl DK, I just, I, look, when we, I have six guys in front of him, when we're looking at June for the Nations League, I don't think you bring him in um, because there's other guys that I, I, I think we all prefer. And it's just, it's not happening. And I hate that. I hate that. But that's the nature of this beast. I hope he gets another shot, but I just, I, I, I don't think it's, it's going to do anything. So we have that. And the forward situation is looking better, but, you know, Pepe and, I'm good with Pepe and Balogun. Pepe is surging. Balogun has this, is, I think, the best expected goal scoring in the big five leagues. And he has 17 at Ryan. Uh, it's, it's not a flash in the pan. And there was talks about England. And I thought it was really refreshing what Gareth Southgate said. He goes, we don't just bring people into cap time. And there's a lot of guys in front of Balogun in the pecking order for England. But that's England, Right. He could go to Nigeria, but he has to deal with Victor Ossiman, and he's not getting in front of him either. His best chance for playing is the U.S., and it's also a place where he is wanted, and he had a post on social media saying, go where you are wanted. So all the indicators are there. But getting back to Gareth Southgate, I mean, people are kind of throwing it in his face. Go, wait, you're not going to bring him in? I go, Gareth Southgate doesn't have to answer to any of us. Gareth Southgate has done the best job in the history of English management. No one's had more success than him. The guy knows what he's doing. He got them to a World Cup semifinal. He got them to a Euro final. Got them to another World Cup quarterfinal. Missed Harry, Pay Harry Kane penalty. If he hits that penalty, they beat France. And who knows how far they go. I think they play Argentina in the final. 2024 Euros, they're going to be there again. They are processing new young players. They have the young the strikers. Balogun will not play, even if he continues to hit incredible numbers. He might play in three or four years, but I don't think he wants to wait for that. He's already 21. You know, in an instant, you're 24, 25. You're not a young player anymore. So uh, Balogun uh, really knows where uh, he uh, butters his bread, I think, and that's the U.S. So that's a big part of it as well. We are very strong in a lot of places. So um, defensively, it was great to see Miles Robinson come back. He looks like he's going to be counted. We have Tim Ream, Austin Trusty played, Mark McKenzie. They all played well. We have Chris Richards. I mean, center back is good. 
Center back is really good. Um, Cameron Carter-Vickers, That's a, that all of a sudden, remember that was a spot where we didn't know who was going to play, and it was Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman. We have like six, seven really good guys now. Fullback's a bit of a concern. Uh, I was not impressed with Brian Reynolds. I hope Brian Reynolds becomes the guy. He's his physical specimen, but he got beat a couple times against Grenada, against El Salvador with Dest and Anthony Robinson. That's our best partnership, and that will be our best partnership moving forward. Uh, Serginho Dest is head and shoulders above all the other right backs. Uh, regardless of what he's doing with his club, he stands above there, and uh, we certainly need him. Uh, the midfield, we saw something different. We didn't have Tyler Adams in there, so we saw uh, Luca Della Torre play that position. We had the two midfielders, Musa and uh, McKinney, with Gio Reyna almost as a number 10 against El Salvador. Della Torre came in there. Delatore is really good going forward when they press him a bit and they don't have possession, which they didn't have a lot as much as against El Salvador. Uh, Delatore, and it was a smaller time, not as effective. You still need kind of a Tyler Adams type back there. Uh, but Delatore is another guy who I think comes off the bench and gives you a pop. Uh, but the midfield to me is still, is there's some questions and we need the death pieces to see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Kellen Acosta, I think, is an... an a, a required to be in there as well. And we kind of could use a little more experience, but, you know, set pieces have been a hot mess. Pulisic was pretty good. Grenada, Zendejas took some against El Salvador. It still needs to be a lot better, but there were some chances. Uh, the introduction of Taylor Booth, I'm really excited about him. He's another physical specimen with uh, a beautiful uh, delivery. Uh, I think he and Zendejas could be those two offensive players off the bench to cover for Pulisic, Weah, and whomever else. And man, this is a, it's an exciting time overall. We have to work on a few things. We need leadership to step up, and we need organization. And other than that, uh, things are looking pretty good. So I have much more to say about this on my YouTube page under Max Bretos, where I have a comprehensive look at the U.S. effort. Check us out there. Check us out here on the Soccer OG podcast. The entire library is there for your listening pleasure. And we'll have great guests coming up to talk about all sorts of topics. You're in the right place. I appreciate your support. We'll still be here for you every week on the Soccer OG. And as I always like to say when I say goodbye, Placido Domingo. Domingo.